Welcome to the Challenging the Way We Age podcast, hosted by the Mavericks of Senior Living, Francis and Catherine, focusing on creativity, ingenuity, and inspiration to educate and inspire changes in the senior experience, breaking the status quo. We want to thank our supporters, Assured Assisted Living, Serenity App, Sevens Home Care, and Sevens Residential Memory Care. Now get ready for the next episode. Hey everyone, welcome. We are here at Senior Living Transformation Summit in Boston, Massachusetts. And right now we are talking with Kyle Rand, the co-founder and CEO of Rendever. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're really excited to have you. So tell us a little bit about who you are, how you got into senior living, and where the name Rendever comes from. Mm, good questions. Good place to start. So as you said, my name is Kyle Rand, one of the co-founders and CEO of Rendever. Uh, my story went all over the place, but I really started in senior living as a kid. Mm. I used as to spend kid, my... Uh, oh, God, that's a good question. Probably like 13 years old is okay. when I started. Wow. So we used to spend all of our summers going to a local senior living community that had an in-house ice cream parlor. Now, isn't that cool? That's so cool. was it in the neighborhood? It was in the neighborhood. And it was all the neighborhood kids would go and me have and, ice cream. Me and three of my best friends would go every single week. We would set up shop and we would scoop out ice cream for all the residents. That's awesome. And eat a lot of ice cream Oh, I'm ourselves. sorry. You set up the shop. It wasn't an ice no, cream no, it, shop it was, in there. It was in-house. We had to like okay. get all the like big old things from the big freezers outside, bring them in, like get the scoops prepared, like do all of that. Oh my gosh. That's so fun. What a brilliant idea. What, what yeah. city or where, where, what state? Rochester, New York. All right. Is it warm in the summer in Rochester? Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, warmer it's than in the winter. Okay. <laughs> Good point. Okay. So tell us. Where did the name Rendever come from? So can I tell you the rest of my story? Oh, yeah. before? No. I mean, there's okay, a lot between being a 13-year-old scooping ice cream I and suppose. then starting Rendever. That's yes. fair. That's fair. Fill in the blanks. <laughs> right, let me fill in a few blanks. So then I went to school. I went to Duke down in an actually warm place in, yes. the, in the U.S. Um, and studied cognitive decline in the aging population huh. as well as neuroengineering. So I had to take a few physics classes myself. Yeah, neuroengineering, that is, that's kind of slick. It was slick. Okay. It was hard. Yeah. It's it an interesting hard. combination. It is. Why the combination? Yeah. Hmm, I really like problem solving, okay. which is where the engineering side came in. Mm -hmm. And then I had to, as part of the engineering degree, had to take an intro science class. Hmm. I chose neuro as my intro science class, and I fell in love. So I decided to take neuro as a second major, and then really just ended up working in a cognitive neuro lab and a neuroengineering lab. That's so cool. Spent all of my time in the lab. So when you were looking at the neuro, what were you were you guys looking at a broad spectrum, very specific aspects? What were you guys doing? Yeah, so on the cognitive side, we were doing fMRI studies. Can you elaborate? What, what for is, our audience? Yeah, what's an fMRI study? <laughs> okay, fMRI is a functional MRI machine, okay. magnetic resonance imaging. So what we would do is we would be we were specifically looking at cognitive decline in the aging population, huh. but specifically looking at how structural changes in the brain correlated with functional deficits. So we were looking at, there's a concept called cognitive load, which is when you're asking people to remember X, Y, Z facts and then have to like spit them back out, how increasing cognitive load led to worse economic-based decision-making. Wow. So we did a lot for that. I mean, there was a lot that we did, but for me, I was coding these experiments and then sitting down <laughs> with 65 plus running them through these awfully, awfully, awfully designed <laughs> tech paradigms and got to really see the like issues with poor human computer interaction design huh. in this population firsthand. That's so cool. Yeah. So then from there, what, what, so what's next? So then from there, 
right around the time that I was graduating, my grandma was diagnosed with her second round of cancer. And my parents, my aunt, my uncle decided to move her into a senior living community. And it didn't go well. Mm. And I experienced it, you know, one, one level removed, but I will never forget like how hard it was, not only on my parents, not only on my aunt, my uncle, but on their dynamics too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as a result, on the dynamics of the cousins, like everyone truly was affected yeah. because it was such a bad experience. And, you know, we started looking into what, what happened to her is she spent all of her time in her room mm-hmm. watching TV, like totally isolated. Yeah. And when we started looking into the data, what we saw was that like this happens far too frequently. And when you look at the impact of it on this population, the comorbidities include increases in risk of stroke, in mm-hmm. heart attack, in uh, rates of infections, in earlier onset, in cognitive decline, in mm-hmm. the rate of cognitive decline, like all these comorbidities that, you know, you put them all together and separate studies have found a 30 to 50% increase in mortality rates. That high? All stemming from social isolation. Wow. I mean, I knew it was bad. I, I didn't realize it was 30 to 50. I mean, I thought it was in the 20s, but... Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, that it can get pretty bad. And that's an interesting story because, I mean, I got into this because of my two grandfathers. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and my grandmother's now 92. And the mm-hmm. stress I see on my mom, I mean, it's through the roof, which has an impact on us and, and her husband and my dad. You know, it just, it, you're right. That aging, not done, planned out or as best you can, it can have an impact on everybody. Yeah. And, and I think what's fascinating about this industry is that, weirdly, like, Everybody that you talk to, I think, has a story like this. They have Mm -hmm. a grandma. They have a grandfather. Like, they've been through the process, which is why I think this industry is so full of love and, like, Hmm. passion and compassion in in every single way. That's true, yeah. So, a big part of VR and virtual experiences broadly um, is rendering. So, game engines have to do a lot of rendering anytime you're making a new environment. And what we say is that we, as a company, render experiences Forever. So oh, rendering forever. That's we're cool. Rendever. I like I it. Love it. I love it. So let's talk more about the isolation. How does VR actually help with isolation? It's mm. a technology that you put on and then you're by yourself. So, totally. so tell yeah, us more about that. Because my first thought is of an older adult is, well, won't it make them feel more enclosed, right? So I think we, and, and that's not true. So I kind of want to, hopefully you'll dispel that myth that's out there. Yeah. I think that it's really easy to think about VR and specifically if you have kids in your life who play VR and, you know, they're doing video games and they put one of these headsets on and then they're just in a totally separate world. (laughs) It's like, okay, time for dinner and they never show up, right? Yeah. So it's easy to think about that. But what we've actually done is we've taken social isolation as our core issue and made sure that every single thing that we do is all about allowing people to connect through the power of shared experiences. Oh, that's cool. And as a company, our kind of core hypothesis is that all human relationships are founded on shared positive experiences. So the huh. three of us right now are having this lovely positive experience being on this podcast together. Right. Right. A lot of senior living communities, the experiences that they have are limited to bingo or arts huh. and crafts okay. or you know, rare activities. Yeah. So, so I'm still not drawing the picture. Uh, l- l- let me continue. Okay. I got this. Okay. So <laughs> Imagine this. Imagine rather than going, you know, 10 a.m. to a bingo session and doing the same bingo cards day after day, you actually go down to the lounge, sit on a nice comfortable chair, you and four of your neighbors all put on this headset, and then you're all transported together to stand on top of the Eiffel Tower. Together. 
together that's what's to cool. go yeah. somewhere that maybe you have always wanted to go in your life but you're and going have not been able to visit together and now you're going with friends you're your current with, friends with your current friends are people that you may not have had a like actual conversation with huh. you know you may live right next to each other but have never really talked about anything significant all of a sudden you're in paris together like what else is there to talk about about other than like your favorite memory when you were young falling in love uh-huh. standing next to the eiffel tower you know the conversations that you could stimulate from that i mean and giving our older adults the gift of seeing things they may have never been able to or even knew what you know was out there when they were growing up mm-hmm. i mean or, or revisiting memories yeah. places that they know and love mm-hmm. and That's had cool. good memories That's cool. i wonder how that would impact alzheimer's Mm-hmm. Or walking them down their old house street to their mm, house, like yeah. when they were a toddler, and, or not toddler, but you know, an older or a child of some type, and think of the memories, the positive memories you could yeah. stimulate. I mean, mm-hmm. this has endless possibilities. Do you have data around this yet, or are you new enough that that that's not quite there? Yeah. So one of the one of the earliest things that we did was we did a study with MIT Age Lab and Benchmark Senior Living, mm-hmm. and we studied. Exactly this. It was, can we actually create new connections mm-hmm. through the power of these shared virtual experiences? And, and you know, VR is important because it's immersive. You really feel like you're there. Right. Right. And what we found was after just two weeks, the group that was doing these shared VR experiences had a statistically significant decrease in their depression scores. Wow. Increases in multiple levels of social well-being. And most interestingly, increase in feelings of trust. Huh. So they were actually starting to trust each other more having been on these experiences That's together. Cool. Of course, because now they have shared experience. And, and, shared they know the other person. and shared memories. Mm. Yeah, and knowing the other person I think is huge. One of our coolest features is uh, called Search. You can literally go and type in any single address, and we can bring you there in VR. So you can oh, take people back to their childhood home, God. back to their college campus, back to where they got married, their honeymoon, like whatever it is, bring them in VR. And when you see that life-size right in front of you, like yeah. the stories just start spilling out. What about... Sp- like uh, sporting events. Can you take them to like sports stadiums or things like that as well? As you can imagine, there's some limitation of with course. licensing yeah. with yeah. groups like the NFL. But one of the coolest partnerships that we did last year was once the being here in Boston uh-huh. and being based in Boston, once the Patriots won the Super Bowl, we um, I texted one of our mentors and I was like, we really want to get on the Patriots parade. Oh. And I kid you not, an hour later, I get a call from the mayor's office being like, hey, what do you want? And then the next day, our newest employee was on the, like, very first float in the Patriots parade, capturing it all in VR. So you had these millions of people just going crazy that the Pats just won the Super Bowl. You had confetti flying everywhere, like... (laughs) There was Gronk like signing like a football. But like, think of how cool that is. Absolutely. How did how do you capture that? So what did he bring with him on the Yeah, flip? so there's 360 cameras. Um, there's a huge array of them, but they're like these kind of crazy looking alien things mm-hmm. where it's this big ball with six eyeballs, I would call them. Okay. And then a crazy little like toupee mic. Huh. Uh, they're very expensive and very heavy. But, um, so your your newest employee is very strong. Very strong. Very strong. <laughs> we so, tend to mount them in like smart ways. Yes, yeah. I imagine. So <laughs> you capture it, and then do you have it forever? Yes. Okay. So, so yes. at any time, you could go back. Uh, one of your clients could go back and revisit the Patriots parade. Totally. God, that, that is awesome. That is phenomenal. Just, with all that kind of data you're collecting, images, videos, what? How does it work for senior living? Like, what's where is it in the business of, of long-term or aging? Yeah, so let me explain kind of what it looks like 
and then kind of why I think it matters. So what it looks like, a typical senior living community will get set up with a system of anywhere from four to 10 headsets okay. is kind of our typical rollout. And then every week, at least once a week on their calendar, they'll have whatever session laid out. Residents will come in, they'll all sit around a table, you know, somewhere nice, comfortable. Um, they'll all put the headset on and then a staff has a tablet. Uh -huh. And the staff is able to choose from, you know, our entire library of experiences. We have the largest library of VR experiences, I think out of any VR group, not even just in senior living. Wow. It's pretty, it's pretty uh, expansive. And then the staff get to lead the experience, they press play. And then from the staff side, they have like these conversational prompts and dialogues and like ways to actually get people to talk. Oh. So that not only the residents are kind of experiencing it, but they're also having a conversation. And for that's us, that's cool. really, really the key. Because if you're just going to put someone in a headset and let them sit there, they're, they're still isolated. isolated. They're isolated. Right. If right. you put a group of people in a headset and you lead a productive, engaging conversation, the magic happens when they take that headset off. They then walk to lunch, sit next to each other, and continue the conversation. Uh, right? They formed that new connection. That's cool. So the staff member is part of the experience as well. Yes, okay. staff is okay. key in delivering something that's Makes really sense. unique and positive, and, and they love delivering it. And right? they're seeing the video on the tablet that that they're seeing in the headsets. Yeah, and, and important to know, we have way more than just a library of videos. We have all sorts of content, but whatever experience is playing, yeah, okay. yes, they, they, they get to see it on the tablet, and they can even cast that tablet to a TV in the room. So oh, anyone who's cool. not really comfortable wearing VR can still be a part of the experience and be a part of the conversation. Interesting. That's cool. We've designed this all for senior living because we yeah. care a lot about senior living and we right. understand each friction point and have designed the solution around it. To me, being able to not have somebody in a headset, like a, a resident living with dementia, that it, maybe they're more claustrophobic or they're just having a bad day, they can still participate, mm -hmm. which is the whole goal is that sense of purpose and belonging. Mm -hmm. That's that's yeah. pretty cool. What what kind of roadblocks do you run into trying to roll this out to senior living? Yeah, I think it, it kind of boils down to now people are excited. Okay. Everyone, like, we've been around for almost four years now. Early on, it was a lot of pushing against, like, these concrete walls mm -hmm. to get people to accept the idea that VR could actually be positive. And across those years, we've collected videos and photos and all this, like, anecdotal, like, exciting evidence mm -hmm. that people are excited, the industry is excited. I think what we're helping a lot of our clients and prospective clients understand is what is the business case here, mm. right? It's, it's one thing to think, oh, great, this is just entertainment programming. And mm -hmm. if you go in with that mindset, you're not gonna like right you're not gonna use it in the right way you're not gonna really value it in the right way so I think what we see and what we're starting to actually see the industry understand and really pick up because all these conversations are happening at events like this is that the power of senior living is that we're providing communities hmm. right everyone hates the f-word we don't use the f-word right. no but you need to actually be providing communities right and the kind of programming that you can do with Friendever is really building a proper community. So if you think about that, you think about an investment in any sort of resident engagement technology that's really going to build a thriving, yeah. happy location, that means that every prospect that walks in, every family member that of a resident that you have, like they're going to see nothing but happiness and excitement and joy. Yeah. And that's what you're looking for. If you're going to move a loved one into a community, you're looking for those feelings. And you can really provide and build those with Friendever. So we have, uh, our audience is quite broad in senior care. Mm -hmm. um, some of them are the smaller group homes versus mm -hmm. the large communities. Are you affordable for the smaller group homes? So I would say we 
operate in a lot more larger scale communities, okay. like individual ALs, CCRCs, uh, the smaller group homes, when you're thinking about larger RALs, maybe a little bit expensive, but it, it kind of depends on where they fit within the market, to be honest. Okay. And I think too, when you're talking about transformation and things like this, I think it comes down to does the organization want to be a trendsetter? Mm-hmm. or reactive. Mm-hmm. And I think right now, even for big, small, because uh, you know, I have 10, 8 to 12 bed facilities, so about 89 residents were licensed for. Mm-hmm. This is something I'm very intrigued by because I think it, we ha- someone out there in our space has to not only focus on the care that we can offer in the small care homes, but the experience. And this truly values what matters most to why we do the care is the residents. Mm-hmm. So we have to step outside of that and look at this activity, this engagement, because you know, for our our group in 2020 here, it's this the year of purpose. We have to create a sense of purpose for our residents, and to me, this seems like no better way than giving them the gift of doing things they might not have been able to do, and now maybe physically or mentally can't. So, mm-hmm. I think we all have to look at our capital expenditures and figure out how we can improve the lives on a daily basis. Oh, I think it's wonderful. It's very exciting. Yeah, so, and we understand you just got some, some NIH funding. Yes. First yes. of all, describe what NIH yes. is for okay. our audience. Yeah, so the NIH is the National Institutes of Health. So cool. we got funding directly through the National Institutes on Aging. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it took about two and a half years to get this grant funded. Wow. It's a lot of time, a lot <laughs> yeah. of commitment. Yeah. The, they really look for that. Yeah. Um, but we're what we're doing is, you know, we have all these communities doing these amazing resident engagement programs. We're kind of evolving that into virtual family engagement. Oh. So the study that we're doing is we have communities um, operated by SRG out in California. What's um, SRG? Uh, operator group. Oh, okay. okay. Operator group. Um, and there are residents of senior living communities and their family members from afar are doing group programming sessions together. So they'll do things like check off bucket list items where they're not physically co-located, right? Someone's in a community, someone's halfway across the U.S. Do they both have headsets? They're both wearing headsets. Oh they're talking God. to each other through that could the be headsets. changing And they're doing these bucket list items together. Totally removing the physical barrier. They just get to have fun together. I just got excited when I I mean, that to me is because the last memory I really have of my grandmother, um, who's not 92, is we went to Italy as my parents, my girlfriend, my wife now at the time, and my grandmother, who was, God, 84 at the time. Mm -hmm. First time she ever got out of the country. Was, and that was her, it's her last. She got a passport when she was 84 years old to go back to Italy where she was from. Amazing. But I'm just thinking now at 92, I'd love to give her that gift again, even though she flying isn't probably ideal and some cognitive issues. But that's, and my mom could go with her. That to me is the coolest thing. Mm-hmm. That is, oh, I, I, I want to yeah. have to know more how that ends up working. Yeah, because, you'll <laughs> have to try it. So it's, what's cool is not only that, it's not just buck list items, but they also have on our family platform, they have an ability to go in and make these kind of like life journeys through the search feature where you're going to all these key locations and then they're revisiting all of them together. So you're giving that resident the ability to share their life story like through an experience where they're fully immersed in that component of their life. That's amazing. I'm telling you, like, those sessions last for, like, an hour and a half. What? People just like the memories. They just they just come up. It's the most relevant visual stimuli to your entire visual field is your childhood home. Yeah. Oh, God. That's huge. Yeah. And then the third part is that they actually have a shared family room that they they can enter together. Mm -hmm. 
and they can look at family photos oh. and watch old family videos oh my together. So we're sitting Wait. on a virtual couch together. Big TV is playing these videos, and they're talking about them. Together, oh, wherever together. they are. Wherever they are. And slides, because my dad had slides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, <laughs> Everything. We would run when the S word came out. So. Everything. <laughs> is, that the, is, is that the machine that kind of yeah. spun a little oh, bit? Oh, my God. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. yeah. That. <laughs> Maybe we should get one of those in the environment. Yeah. 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 So, Kyle, this is, first of all, I think we both have chills. This yeah. is unbelievable what Thank you're doing. You. Yeah, this is I want to awesome. say huge congratulations yes. to you. Thank this, you. This is a, an amazing use of technology. Mm-hmm. to bring people joy that yeah. they couldn't otherwise get. Mm-hmm. This is awesome. Yeah. So obviously you're definitely a trailblazer. You're really pushing the envelope. So who would you consider a maverick in your life? Mm. This is actually a really good question. And it's kind of something. So one of our key questions during our hiring process is where did you learn your work ethic from? Hmm. And I think that's kind of the most important thing. So I think for me, biggest maverick in my life was actually I grew, I grew up doing Taekwondo. I did competitive Taekwondo up until about a year and a half ago. Wow. Um, And my childhood Taekwondo master taught me literally everything I know. Not literally, obviously. It's everybody, whatever. (laughs) But but in a professional sense, taught me everything I know about what it means to have a solid, incredible work ethic and like really treat people and treat the people that you're working with and the people that you're working for in the highest regards. Um, and do so just like with passion and respect and integrity and like everything like at the forefront of your mind and everything and what's his name uh, his, his name's Master Kim. Master Kim. Yeah. Shout, out Shout out Master Kim. Master Kim. Yeah, love Master Kim. That's wonderful. Awesome. And do you tell him this? Yes. Okay. He knows. That's wonderful. Right. Well, I hope he's listening so yes. he hears it one more time. We started yeah. a 501c3 together last year. Like, we're very close. Oh, he knows, uh, he knows I respect him. Cool. Him. That's really wonderful. So, after the conversations that we've had today, what action would you ask our audience to take? Hmm. That's a good question. I think... From a senior living perspective, I think really thinking about what it means to provide an experience. Hmm. I think if you ask us, we are an experience platform. And if you ask anybody in the senior living industry, like, should you do a better job or could you do a better job selling? It's really the, the experience. And when you think about the modern day consumer, they're looking for not just quality of care. We hopefully trust at this point that you're going to get quality of care. How do you get quality of experience? Wow. So let me ask a question. That, that's really cool. Yeah. And we uh, spoke with Jill Vitali Awesome of the Eden Alternative. Mm-hmm. And one of her kind of things is there's a lot of hospitality in this industry. Right. Great. Wonderful. Yes, we need to design experiences. But is it really our job to design the experience? We're not Walt Disney. Mm-hmm. We, we don't want to give them that kind of experience. But let them design their own experience. Mm. Our job is to create the opportunity for them. them to have an experience. So I think this fits in I so beautifully. But I would argue that that this is not I, giving this gives them a tool yeah. to make their own experience. That's what I'm saying. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that was the point is this actually creates that possibility correct. for them to go to Paris, exactly. to revisit old, their old home, their old elementary And that's school. why I love it because if you think about it, if, hey, we're all going to go to the, I don't know, the play this week. That's not the residents necessarily telling us what experience they want. Right. It's us offering so them customized. an experience. But here you could 
I mean, you could tweak it for every other resident or every resident. You could tweak and this. they yeah. could all go to Walt Dis or to Disneyland if they, they wanted to, right? They could. Yeah, I mean, our library of experiences is huge. It's growing. We're doing new experience releases like twice a month minimum. Wow. Jeez. And what what we really think is we're empowering communities to take whatever experience they want, right? Yeah. And we're empowering staff to deliver something really meaningful and special, and that's that's that allows residents to then ask for. What is that meaningful special you thing that we want? Charge based on library size, nope. picks of nope. library. Okay, Basic. so you get the whole library. So you get it all. Okay. We want you to have it all. Yeah, that's beautiful. We want residents to have it all. Right. Most important. Yeah. yeah, and this is going to be a redundant question. But I really want to highlight this. How are you creating hope? I know how you're doing it, but I really want to hammer that point home for our listeners: is how are you creating hope? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think. My favorite kind of concept in this industry is all about living with dignity. Huh. And a big part of living with dignity is understanding what 80 years plus of life beforehand have been and making sure that that's possible. So when you think about 80 years of living to all of a sudden being more or less confined to a way smaller physical boundary, that's, that's tough, right? right? So you can live with dignity and hope. Right. Through having an opportunity to actually see every single part of the world, right? You're, we're reopening that right back up. We're expanding residence worlds that in every is. way. I'm really interested in the impact that it will have on cognition as mm -hmm. well, because uh, it, it will yeah. fire up neurons that uh, that maybe aren't firing right now or my, firing so. And well. my neurons are firing right now because I got tons of ideas. <laughs> I know. This. this is I'm just so exciting, shocked, Francis. I can't believe this, this is, is giving you ideas. This is so it's cool. shocking. Like, I, I really appreciate. Like I genuinely mean, Kyle. Like this is awesome yeah. what you're doing. Like I can't thank you enough for for being kind of one of the forward thinkers and the the innovators to push this technology in such a welcoming way. Thank you. Um, that I, I find it amazing. So how do our kind of listeners learn more about, you know, Rendever and about you? What are ways they can connect? Yeah, come to our website, rendever.com. Do I have to spell it? No, I'll, we'll okay. put it on the show notes. We'll put it, put it on yeah. the show notes. Yeah, yeah rendever.com. Follow us, Instagram, Twitter, everything, Rendever Health. Um, it's all we're out always there. Doing a lot, and we're always sharing a lot of really fun images right. of residents smiling in VR. Cool. So. Love it. All right. Thank you, Love Kyle, it. for what you're doing. And thanks for taking a few minutes and sitting down and teaching us about you know the possibilities of Rendever and virtual reality for our amazing older adults. Thank you both. Keep being a maverick. Yes. Keep blazing that trail. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.